Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through 1 Peter. Today is episode 1015, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Let's read the passage. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor, if because of a consciousness of God someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. What credit is there if, when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is First Peter. This is a letter from the Apostle Peter to Christians in Asia Minor. They're suffering persecution, and he's trying to encourage them on how to live through this, how to stay faithful to the Lord and endure the persecution. He's telling you, you've got to focus on your salvation. Focus on living holy lives, living with reverence for God, love for one another, and then how you relate to the world. That's the part we're in now. He's already said that you have to live well within the sight of unbelievers. Let them see your morality. Let them see your good works. Let them see how you live, and that hopefully will bring them to glorify God. He's talking about living in submission to governing authorities. God is the absolute authority, but as long as it's not contrary to God's commands, live in submission to government. Now we pick it up in chapter 2, verse 18. He says, Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. Now it's hard to apply this directly to our context. He's speaking to slaves. But there's principles that can extrapolate to our context. For instance, he's saying submit to your masters, not only if they're nice, but even if they were cruel. Not just unpleasant, but cruel. Even a cruel master, submit to him. Now, submit with all reverence. So he doesn't take God completely out of this. This is reverence toward God. And if a, a master commands disobedience to God, well, then you have to disobey the master. Might be severe consequences, but you cannot obey the master who demands that you disobey God. But as long as that's not at stake, submit to that master. And so for us, the, the takeaway basically is whatever authority structure you find yourself in, whether it be at work or in organizations, you're to live within that authority structure, even if you don't like the boss. you got to do what the boss says, unless the boss is commanding you to do evil. Then you obviously do not do what the boss says. 
So he explains in verse 19. He says, for it brings favor. Because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering. So he's basically saying those who suffer unjustly will be rewarded by God. And he explains a little further in verse 20. He says, for what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But if when you do what is good and suffer, and you endure it, this brings favor with God. He says, okay, if you step out of line and you are being punished justly because you stepped out of line, there's no reward in that. You deserved it. But if you're doing what is right, you're doing good, and are punished anyway, it says God will bring favor. So you favor, you see, they talked about 19, for it brings favor. Then here at the end of verse 20, this brings favor with God. So he's specifically saying, God's watching. God will take care of you. Now, what's that mean? Does that mean he's going to protect you from further suffering? Not necessarily. But he's saying that God's keeping track of your faithfulness. Verse 21, For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. It says you were called to this. Called to what? Called to suffering. We don't like that. We don't like the to hear this, that when Jesus says things like, If you're my followers, you will suffer. If you're my followers, you will be persecuted. If you're my followers, you will be abused. And so often in our context, we don't really see much in the way of abuse, of suffering, of mistreatment. But quite often throughout history, that has been the case. To be a follower of Christ is to bring abuse upon yourself. And he says it should be expected following Christ's steps because Christ suffered for you. In verse 22, he talks a little more about the specifics of Christ. He did not commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. This is the language of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant song. And it's talking about how Christ did suffer, even though he was not sinful, even though he without sin, he still suffered. And he put up with it. He did it. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. His suffering was unique. That's where if we suffer and say we're following in Christ, yes, we are, but not in the same way in that there was an incredible uniqueness to his suffering because his suffering, he was sinless. He did not deserve any suffering. And his suffering brought about salvation for us. But also, he says that we might live for righteousness. The his suffering also empowers us to live righteously because of the relationship we now have with the Lord, relationship we have with the Father, relationship we have with the Holy Spirit. This empowers us to live righteously. Verse 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 
I think the point he's making here is he's been talking about submission to rulers, the governmental rulers, and human masters, slave owners. And he's bringing in the idea here that our true ruler is God, is Jesus Christ. He is our actual ruler, not the slave owner, not the governing authorities. He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Now, this is troubling in some respects because he doesn't criticize the institution of slavery. He says, slaves, be good slaves and obey your masters. He doesn't say, and if you're a slave owner, you should release your slaves. He doesn't say if you're a government official, you should fight to end slavery. Nowhere is he critical of the actual institution of slavery. I mean, you find this very troubling. Why, why isn't slavery condemned? Well, remember the purpose of the whole New Testament is for people to come to Christ and live righteously. It's not social change. Now, he does talk about some social issues. He talks about living within the social order. There's a difference in the way he talks about marriage and the way he talks about slavery. God invented marriage. God did not invent slavery. Slavery was invented by sinful people. But it's part of society. And so he's talking about how to live within the society as Christians, as representatives of Christ. He's not talking about social change. So the New Testament instruction about slavery, it's about slavery, and it's how Christians live within that society. So the primary importance is how people know God, how people follow God, how people serve God, not how they improve society. But on a side note, as Christianity becomes a force of influence, it does change society. Look at some of our Western societies that have outlawed slavery. Great Britain, the United States. It all came about through the actions of Christians, the church. These were the people who were instrumental in bringing about the elimination of slavery. And that's where I got careful to say about elimination of slavery, because slavery still is big all over the world. But making slavery illegal within the British Empire and the United States. That was a force of Christianity, as Christianity became a powerful influence for society itself. So the call for Christians is to change lives, and if enough lives are changed, that changes society. But the purpose of the New Testament is not to make society better, it's to make people know the Lord. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Peter.